Okay, so this, I'm Glenn, and this is my wife, Desiree. And uh, I think we have a picture of us. It's a collage from our wedding. Maybe, maybe it will be. Pictures. There it will. Oh, there it is. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so uh, that's uh, in two weeks we'll celebrate our twelfth uh, year of marriage. Um, thank you. Uh, we have two plus one adult kids. Our son Dane is thirty. Uh, his wife, our daughter-in-law Maud, is twenty-seven, and our daughter McKenna is twenty-five. So I was raised in the Denver, Colorado area, and I'm the oldest of three with two younger sisters. The house we grew up was, uh, in was filled with unforgiveness. My father was an angry and unforgiving man with his family behind closed doors, and he was physically abusive to me and my sisters. Anger and turmoil inside the home translated to peace and tranquility outside the home, exactly the way he wanted it. Uh, and uh, this was my template for how I should treat my future family. As for my upbringing, uh, spiritually or in the church, I was not that guy. Um, uh, God and church to me were one and the same, where it meant I had to wear fancy and uncomfortable clothes and shoes, uh, which went along with that big fancy Bible in the living room that we are not allowed to touch. I was born and raised in a small town in Northeast Ohio. I'm the second oldest of four girls, and I was raised Catholic. My mother would uh, my mother would take us to church, but my dad wouldn't go. I'm not familiar with the Bible. I wasn't familiar with the Bible. And like Glenn, we also had a big fancy Bible on our coffee table. My parents were not a good example of what a healthy marriage or loving family should look like. My dad verbally abused my mom in front of us and our friends while he verbally and physically abused us. She wouldn't defend herself or us because she didn't want to anger him further. I prayed my mom would divorce my dad because of the way he treated her. He would also embarrass my sisters and I in public by saying inappropriate things for all to hear. He would also say, children are to be seen and not heard. When I was a teenager, I was very rebellious because of the treatment by my dad. I wasn't close to anyone in my family. I made bad, cho <clears throat> excuse me, bad choices with drugs, alcohol, and sex. At 14, I was caught shoplifting, and I felt suicidal at times. I begged my mom for help, but she didn't know what to do. When I was 20, I was ready for a change in my life and leave the little town I grew up in. A friend talked me into moving to Texas. I was ready to leave everyone and everything behind and make a fresh start. When I got to Dallas, though, I still continued making bad choices with partying and sex. I had brought my bad habits with me. So here we go. Um, Desiree is not my first wife. Uh, she's not my second or third wife either. She's my fourth wife. I married my first wife in my early 20s and was divorced within a year. We had a seemingly good marriage from our friend's perspective, but behind, behind closed doors it was filled with constant bickering and daily arguments that ruled our life inside the home. I blamed her for all our issues, so it was easy for us to part ways and for me to move on with my life. Five years later, I met and married my second wife, only to see the same patterns develop over time. 
This time it took about two years for my anger issues to manifest and after four years of marriage we divorced where uh, I of course blamed her for most of the core problems in our marriage. So I waited about 10 years before getting married for the third time. I thought that this time it would be different, but it wasn't. I believed all our problems were uh, her fault because I could never see my part in any of our conflicts. So we divorced after seven years of marriage. There was a common thread throughout all these marriages, and that was that I was not a believer. My anger and unwillingness to invite God into our lives wreaked havoc in every relationship. Whenever church was mentioned, I immediately scoffed at the thought and gave it a wave of dismissal. I have since learned the truth of 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 and 18, which says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Had I known Christ and had been surrounded with a community of believers pointing me toward his word, I would have thought to reconcile in my first marriage. I got married at 30. I joined my then ex-husband's Christian church and was very active in volunteering. And my faith was growing in Christ as I started to hear more about God's word, but I still was not familiar with the Bible. We had our son, Dane, two and a half years after we were married, and McKenna, five years after that. I loved being a mom, but it took a toll on my ex-husband. He wasn't ready for sharing me as well as all that went into being a father. We grew apart little by little. We were both miserable and living undivorced. I found out he was having an affair and decided to leave him and take the kids with me. It devastated Dana McKenna. I suffered terrible guilt. And in hindsight, I know that if I had known Christ and had a relationship with him, I would have been seeking his word and the counsel of other believers. If I had known these truths, I would have sought reconciliation. I simply put the kids before my husband, and I didn't have God or the tools to work on my marriage. <clears throat> Colossians 1.17 comes to mind now where it is written, for he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So Desiree and I met in February of 2008 on a Christian dating site uh, where I proclaimed that I was a believer, but I was just faking it. I had no idea who God really was. We dated for about six months, and I decided to ask her to marry me. So on a beach on the island of Kauai, one morning in the summer of 2008, I proposed. After some time had passed following my divorce, my sister Eve, who's right there, <laughs> suggested I go into the eHarmony website. I didn't want to, but she made me do it. She is an amazing salesperson. <laughs> Thank you, Eve. I, I do thank her now. Um, a few months later, that's when I met Glenn. He was so romantic and he swept me off my feet. When he proposed to me on the beach of Kauai, I couldn't say no. Okay, so in retrospect, I'm somewhat surprised that she accepted my proposal. Uh, <laughs> because um, one hour before I knelt on the beach, I told her about my first marriage when I was in my early 20s. 
You see, I had told her about two of my marriages, but I completely omitted the first one. I lied about it for so long to so many people, and I was embarrassed to admit that I had been divorced three times. And I was embarrassed that I kept it a secret from her as long as I did. But she accepted my proposal, and we were married in April of 2009. We checked the box and went to church on holidays, and we even gave it a feeble effort to go on non-holidays. But I always had an excuse about why we shouldn't go. I was a complete liar and a fraud, as I didn't know who God was, and I wasn't really interested in knowing him. Desiree came with a package of two kids. Uh, at the time, Dane was 17 and McKenna was 12. Uh, and on the day of our wedding, I considered both kids as mine. Uh, and while I was uneducated about how to deal with kids, I was a savant in motivating employees to career success. So I figured that raising kids was not that much different. Boy, was I wrong. We didn't know each other when we got married. We didn't discuss anything, not finances, goals, or how to raise the kids. But Glenn went all in with the kids as we attended every activity that they were involved in. As our son left for college a few months after we were married, things became more difficult. Our daughter was a teenager during the season, which can bring about some parenting challenges. For those of you who have teenage daughters, I will understand. Glenn would tell me what to do about McKenna and was not happy about the way I disciplined her. He said hurtful things to her and to me. He wanted to control the situation, and I felt I was in the middle. I was defensive and felt I needed to protect her like a mother bear with her cub. So as in my previous marriages, uh, my infatuation with Desiree began to fade, and I gravitated back to my controlling nature that led to anger. I made excuses for it. I blamed her just to defer attention from my poor behavior. I'd see everything from my selfish perspective and wonder how our situation could ever change. Our relationship became constantly tense and I found out she was planning to leave me if things got worse. It all came to a head one evening in March of 2016 where Desiree did leave me uh, following a huge argument about an issue with our daughter. It didn't matter what the issue was, but it was the last straw for both of us. At the time, I was glad she left, as I too wanted out of the marriage. I felt everything was her fault, and she just didn't get it. Uh, she put the kids ahead of me, and I would get upset because she did not understand my perspective. If there was any remorse on my part after she left, it was the recollection of good times with her and the kids. After McKenna left for college, we were empty nesters. We had some good times, but there remained an undercurrent of frustration and anger on Glenn's part. I kept a lot of things from him because I didn't want to make the situation worse. I was a stuffer and didn't like conflict, especially because of the relationship I had with my dad. <clears throat> I saw myself in the same position that my mom was in. I didn't like Glenn or who I was when I was with him. I didn't want to be around the uh, anger any longer. I had, all, excuse me, I had all I could take and I left him. After the separation, Glenn and I were civil to each other most of the time. We talked about divorce, but I wasn't quite ready to pull the trigger. Something or someone was telling me not to do it. 
I realize now it was the Holy Spirit. A friend told me about Reengage at Watermark and went to the website and watched the testimonies. Seeing how God changed their marriages, I knew I could have that kind of relationship with Glenn. Isaiah 43 verse 19 says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So Glenn said he would attend with me, but he only had one foot in the door. From the beginning of re-engage, God kept pushing me to continue even though I didn't feel like it. And it wasn't easy because my friends and family would ask, why are you still trying? Can't you see he doesn't want to be with you? I had no idea where this re-engage thing would take us. We are separated in a quick signature way from getting a divorce. Desiree called me one Sunday afternoon and asked me to look at the re-engage link. I told her that I'd look at it and let her know. A few days later, I gave her a half-hearted commitment that we could try it. My thoughts always gravitated back to, if someone would just fix her, we'd be all set. On the first night of the newcomer session, I rated our marriage as zero. My thoughts were, come on, man, we're done, and nothing you people can ever do will change that. So for the first few weeks of our open group sessions, I would sit in the room and contemplate the topics of forgiveness and grace while internally rolling my eyes at Desiree's tears. I was there with a bad attitude and I was looking for any excuse to leave. Assessing my poor and selfish behavior now, I think of Proverbs 28 verse 26, which says, those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. God kept working on Glenn's heart as well as mine. <clears throat> Excuse me. When we were studying the forgiveness lesson, I couldn't find my part uh, in the conflict. It wasn't until I truly prayed Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, which says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there, if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. To reinforce this, during a testimony in uh, a big group, a couple showed a picture of their family on the big screen. The kids were in the middle, and they were on either side of them. They talked about one of the biggest challenges in their marriage was putting um, their kids before each other. So they worked on their marriage, or they, make, uh, they worked on making their marriage a priority. Then at the end of their testimony, they showed another picture. It had them in the middle and the kids were on the either side of them. That was, a very powerful, that was very powerful for me, and I finally realized that that was my part in the, of the conflict in our marriage. I had put our kids first. But I kept coming to open group, and I kept listening, and we were put into a small group where I learned to humble myself. Turning to Philippians 2, verse three and four, I came to understand scripture which says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significantly than yourself. Let each of you look not on only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. During this time, I also found my way to the men's Bible, uh, Bible study, the summit, where I uh, began to surround myself with godly men who held me accountable, men that I still surround myself with today. 
So one day I tried for the first time in my life really praying to God, and God answered me. And it was a game changer in my life that completely changed my interaction with Desiree and our relationship healing process. I turned to God, and he was there, as he always was, with open arms celebrating my return. God began to soften my hard and angry heart, and in response, I gave up my anger and bitterness to him. And in turn, he completely changed me and my life. Turning to and loving God changed the way I see Desiree and the way she sees me, and I put our relationship on a path to recovery. Gang, re-engage was not easy for us. We were separated for most of the time we were in small group, and I found that faking God was not going to get me or our marriage anywhere. We did the homework, and we met each week to talk about it, and we sincerely worked through each lesson diligently. And while it did not happen overnight, our relationship with God grew, and that was the key that brought us to a state of oneness uh, that our marriage needed to succeed. Today, I love Desiree more than I ever loved her. And it's all because of my relationship and love for God. He's turning into Rick, <laughs> our friend that cries talking about God. Um, during re-engage, we started attending Watermark, and our relationship was healing as we were moving closer to God. After 10 months of separation, I moved back in with Glenn. Our relationship is not perfect, but it is better than it ever has been. Today, we spend every morning together in prayer, God's word, and reading devotionals. We are so blessed to be able to work with and lead out in the re-engage ministry that God used to re excuse me, restore our marriage. It has strengthened the two of us as well as our walk with the Lord. Whether you are here for the first time tonight or you're getting ready to celebrate the completion of the curriculum, like we are, where's my group? Woo! <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I had to do that. Um, we want you to know there is hope. The only thing that brought us back together was God, his word, and his people. It was truly a miracle. Thank you for letting us share.